Our scripture this morning is from the second chapter of the epistle to the Hebrews. We continue our study through Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 2, we'll look at verses 5 through 13 this morning. Would you stand please for the reading of scripture? Hebrews 2, 5. For it was not to angels that God subjected the world to come of which we are speaking. It has been testified somewhere... What is man that you are mindful of him, or the son of man that you care for him? You made him for a little while lower than the angels. You have crowned him with glory and honor, putting everything in subjection under his feet. Now in putting everything in subjection to him, he left nothing outside his control. At present, we do not yet see everything in subjection to him, but we see him who for a little while was made lower than the angels, namely Jesus, crowned with glory and honor because of the suffering of death so that by the grace of God he might taste death for everyone. For it was fitting that he for whom and by whom all things exist in bringing many sons to glory should make the founder of their salvation perfect through suffering. For he who sanctifies and those who are sanctified all have one source or are all are of one. That is why he is not ashamed to call them brothers, saying, I will tell of your name to my brothers in the midst of the congregation. I will sing your praise. And again, I will put my trust in him. And again, behold, I and the children God has given me. May God add his richest blessing to the reading of this portion of his holy word. Will you pray with me, please? Again, our Father, we're thankful for your holy word. We're thankful that you have spoken to us. And we pray that by the power of your spirit, you would speak to us now that you would open our eyes, that we would see our Lord Jesus Christ high and lifted up, that we would see him who was made for a little while lower than the angels and is now crowned with glory and honor. We pray that you would open our ears so that we would hear him and not neglect the word he has spoken to us. So we pray that you would speak to us in spite of the inability and sin of the preacher, in Jesus' name, amen. Be seated, please. Jesus, the captain of our salvation. My father was 52 years old, nearly 53 when I was born. He would be 90 if he were alive today. And exactly 30 years before I was born, my father was on the 38th parallel. He served in the 40th Infantry Division from 1950 to 1952. He was an excellent soldier. He became a first sergeant relatively quickly, was an acting second lieutenant. He was offered a commission. I've always felt he would have had a great career in the army, but he felt like his mother needed him to come home to the brushy mountains of North Carolina. So when he got his points, he took his honorable 
this charge and came home. My father was a forward observer for a heavy mortar company. Now, uh, mortar is officially referred to as a form of artillery, but my daddy said it was not because a mortar fires indirectly. It launches a shell up into the air and it arcs and falls as opposed to regular artillery which is aimed directly at its target and fires its shell on a plane, not an arc. Though a mortar does not have the long range of direct fire artillery, still the target cannot be seen from the gun itself. So the job of a forward observer, my daddy's job, was to go ahead, ahead of the front lines, locate the target, locate its distance and direction. In the case of the mortar, which launches high into the air, weather conditions factor in as well. And my daddy would calculate there, ahead of the front line, in whatever place he could hide himself from the Chinese. He would calculate his trajectory, or the trajectory the men needed to put on the launch to hit the target, and he would radio it in. You see, the forward observer is called the eyes of the artillery and the eyes of the mortars. Without someone going ahead, plotting the course, the guns would be rendered largely useless for all the noise they might make. And so someone must go ahead and put himself into tremendous danger. And that's what the author of Hebrews is telling us that Jesus is for us. In verse 10, he calls Jesus in the ESV Bible, it says, the founder of our salvation. Some translations say author of our salvation. Some say pioneer. One even says the perfect leader. The authorized King James Bible says the captain of our salvation. And that may be the closest to the original because it's a military concept. It is the one who goes ahead. Now Jesus is far more than a forward observer. My illustration can only go so far, but hopefully it got you interested in the subject. And we'll see more of this as we go, but now let's get into the passage. First in this passage, we see Jesus lower than the angels. We see Jesus lower than the angels. Look at verse 5. For it was not the angels that God subjected the world to come, of which we are speaking. It has been testified somewhere. What is man that you are mindful of him, or the son of man that you care for him? You made him for a little while lower than the angels. Now you may remember from whenever it was we studied the previous passages that Hebrews begins by making a long argument that Jesus is greater than the angels. Hebrews 1.4 says that Jesus, having become as much superior to angels 
as the name he has inherited is more excellent than theirs. But now he turns right around and says that Jesus is lower than the angels. Here the author is quoting Psalm 8, the Bible song we sang at the opening of this service. It's a psalm about mankind being made in the image of God. He says, when I look up in the sky and see the work of your hands, the moon and the stars, all I can think is, what is man that thou art mindful of him or the son of man that thou visitest him? You know, it's interesting. Uh, uh, yesterday was the 50th anniversary of the moon landing. Do you know the scripture, Psalm 8, is on the moon. The Pope sent that verse on the Apollo 11 mission, on the space shuttle, and Neil Armstrong and Buzz Aldrin buried this psalm, Psalm 8, on the moon. When I look in the night sky, your handiwork, how magnificent and glorious you are. What is a wee little old man like me that you would care for me? Here in Hebrews 2, we see that this is Jesus. He is the man. He is the man whom Psalm 8 says was made a little lower than the angels, or our ESV has it a little better, made for a little while lower than the angels. You see, Jesus had to come down. Psalm 8 says that man is to rule over all creation. Angels are part of creation. But God made man lower than the angels for a little while. And he should have advanced. Man should have gained a promotion above the angels, so to speak. Adam, after a little while lower than the angels, was supposed to be glorified, to be raised to a higher spiritual form of existence. Adam was to have dominion as the image bearer of God over all creation, including the angels. But Adam failed. Rather than advance, he fell. Rather than gain a promotion, he was demoted. We all sinned with him and fell in him in his first transgression and we're stuck below the angels. We keep on sinking. And so the very Son of God, infinitely superior to all angels whom the angels worship, He came down and made himself lower than the angels he had made. We see Jesus lower than the angels. Secondly, we see Jesus crowned with glory and honor. Look at the middle part of verse 7. He says, 
you have crowned him with glory and honor, putting everything in subjection under his feet. Now, in putting everything in subjection to him, he left nothing outside his control. At present, we do not yet see everything in subjection to him, but we see him who for a little while was made lower than the angels, namely Jesus, crowned with glory and honor because of the suffering of death, so that by the grace of God he might taste death for everyone. Here he makes it clear he's talking about Jesus. Jesus is the subject and meaning and fulfillment of the eighth psalm. The author here says we do not yet see it all fulfilled. We do not yet see everything in subjection to Jesus. But we do now see him crowned with glory and honor. We have seen him made lower than the angels. Now we see him crowned with glory and honor. How did Jesus move from being lower than angels to being crowned with glory and honor? Look at the middle of verse 9. Because of the suffering of death. We see Jesus made for a little while lower than the angels, now crowned with glory and honor because of the suffering of death. The path of Jesus Christ is in the shape of a V. He came down, God taking the form of a servant, becoming obedient all the way to the cross, to death and the grave. But then he is exalted, crowned with glory and honor. The author is telling us that Jesus, by his death, made it to where Adam failed to go because the death of Jesus atoned for the sin of Adam. He released us from the curse Adam brought on us, but not only that, he gained the promotion. Adam was not made above the angels and fell. He was made lower than the angels and should have been raised over them. But because the one who was above the angels came down and died, he was crowned with glory. And honor. This is not just for Adam. You see, verse 9 says, By the grace of God, he tasted death for everyone. For you. Now, this is not universalism. Look back at verse 3, Hebrews 2 3. How shall we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? This is uh, talking about those who believe, who do not neglect the offer of the salvation he has accomplished. Those who see Jesus made lower than angels for a little while and see him crowned with glory and honor and bow their knee to him 
and receive him and offer themselves to him promptly and sincerely. So we see Jesus lower than angels. We see Jesus crowned with glory and honor. Thirdly, in this passage, we see Jesus the captain of our salvation. Look at verse 10. For it was fitting that he for whom and by whom all things exist in bringing many sons to glory should make the founder of their salvation perfect through suffering. Now here's that word again. The founder, the author, the pioneer, the perfect leader, and so forth. Captain. The Greek word is archagos. Jesus is the captain. He is the leader of our salvation. And this verse tells us three very important things about Jesus as the captain of our salvation. First, it tells us where we're going. I preached this text at the service of a great man, Mr. Roger Nivens. Because he was a point man in Vietnam. One who goes ahead and the rest follow. My daddy, the forward observer, they launched shells to where he had gone ahead and plotted the trajectory. Jesus is our point man, our captain, our leader. We follow him to where he is going. This says our captain brings many sons to glory. We're going to glory. We've already seen this glory in this passage. We see Jesus himself crowned with glory and honor. Jesus is going to bring us with him. We too will be crowned with glory and honor. Advanced high above the angels. You know, 1 Corinthians 6, 3, Paul says that we will judge the angels. We will be advanced. We're going to glory. So it tells us where we're going. Secondly, it tells us who we are. Verse 10, it says who Jesus is bringing to glory. He's bringing many sons to glory. Jesus died to make us the sons of God. The song says, Wounds which mar the chosen one bring many sons to glory. The Son of God purchased our sonship, our Adoption through his obedience as a son and his death. Galatians 4 4. Paul says, When the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his son, 
made of a woman, made under the law to redeem them who were under the law that we might receive the adoption as sons. God sent his own son, put him under the law, and under the law he was the perfectly obedient son all the way to death that we might receive the adoption of sons. Through his suffering and death, he might bring many sons to glory. And we don't become the divine second person of the Trinity, capital S, Son of God. But Jesus, as human, was the perfect Son. He makes us perfect human children of God. You see, he not only takes us to where he is, but he makes us what he is, humanly speaking. Crown with glory and honor. So it shows us where we're going, who we are. And then thirdly, this one little verse, it tells us how we get there. It says again to read verse 10, It was fitting that he for whom and by whom all things exist in bringing many sons to glory should make the founder of their salvation perfect through suffering. We get there to the glory through the suffering of Jesus. This is where the illustration only goes so far. A forward observer goes ahead. A point man goes ahead. The leader goes ahead. But everyone else has to go too eventually and may even get killed. But Jesus did it all. He won the battle himself. We'll see the battle in the next message. He won that battle all along. Lifted up was he to die. It is finished was his cry. Now in heaven exalted high, crowned with glory and honor. Hallelujah. What a Savior. So we see Jesus lower than the angels. We see Jesus crowned with glory and honor. We see Jesus the captain of our salvation. And fourthly and finally, we see Jesus our unashamed brother. Our unashamed brother. Look at verse 11. For he who sanctifies and those who are sanctified all have one source or are all of one. That is why he is not ashamed to call him brothers, saying, I will tell of your name to my brothers. In the midst of the congregation I will sing your praise. And again I will put my trust in him. And again, behold, I and the children God has given me. Again, we see more quotes from the Old Testament. Here he quotes Psalm 22 and Isaiah 8. As far as that goes, simply notice here, in these verses, that Jesus is the speaker of these verses in the Old Testament. We can now look back on Psalm 22 and see that Jesus was the one speaker. He was always speaking in Psalm 22. Jesus is the one speaking in Isaiah chapter 8. 
And here is Jesus with the words of Scripture on his lips, not ashamed to call us his brothers. You see verse 11 there. That's a quote from uh, Psalm, or verse 12, rather. That's a, a quote from Psalm 22. Jesus says to God, to his Father, I will sing your praise and declare your name to my brothers. Here's a picture of Jesus in the midst of the congregation singing praise to God, worshiping the Father with us. Jesus is not ashamed to be with us. He's not ashamed to worship with us. He's not ashamed to be among us. And then at the end, Isaiah 8, Behold, I and the children God has given me, Jesus is not ashamed to present himself to the Father with us, the children of God through our brother Jesus Christ. You see that? Jesus is not ashamed of us. Jesus is proud to call us his family. That's his grace. And you see, our author here, he's telling us, don't be ashamed of your brother. Don't be ashamed of your captain. They were ready to take their eyes off of Jesus. They were about to drift away from him. They were about to be ashamed of him. So he says to them and he says to us, be careful lest you drift away. We see Jesus for a little while made lower than the angels, tasting death for every man and now crowned with glory and honor. We See Jesus. Are your eyes on Jesus? Have you lost focus? The drift. Ashamed. We see Jesus crowned with glory and honor. Will you see Jesus now? In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen.